and welcome to HBW Insights Over-the-Counter Podcast. I'm Eileen Francis, HBW Beauty Reporter. On Over-the-Counter, we speak with industry experts and insiders about the biggest news, trends, and issues facing the cosmetics, OTC drug, and dietary supplement sectors. In this episode, I'm speaking with Annie Song, Chief Strategy and Product Officer at Amaris, a California-based company that uses synthetic biotechnology to produce clean beauty, personal care, wellness, and food ingredients. An expert in biotechnology and genomics, Annie leads the establishment of the firm's ingredient development pipeline, which has molecules now formulated into thousands of brands across the globe, as well as in the company's own brands. Welcome to the podcast, Annie. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so Annie Song is Chief Strategy and Product Officer for Amaris. Uh, Annie, you have a very dynamic sounding role in your firm's very cutting edge science. So starting out, I was hoping you can describe for us in more detail what you do at Amaris. That sounds great. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's um, exciting to be here today. So my role at the company is, is exactly as you said, very dynamic and very exciting. Um, I really sit at the intersection of the technology that we have and how we can apply it in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that can mean... Um, you know, the ingredient pipeline, figuring out what areas in other sectors, in, in various sectors could benefit from our from our technology and pursuing those types of partnerships. Or it can be really going deep into our core sectors, which are beauty care, personal care, health, wellness, and uh, figuring out the best way to apply our technology to create a, a, a leap of innovation. Yes. Okay. Um, and the beauty industry right now is hearing so much about biotechnology. Uh, we hear it's you know the future of the industry in a sense, but I think a lot of people still don't understand the science. Um, and I think a basic understanding is that um, you're sort of developing molecules from a process of fermenting genetically modified yeast. Uh, can you explain in some detail how that process works and how, how is it that you're able to create those targeted characteristics in the molecules you produce? Absolutely. So all living things are made of molecules. And the way those living things make those molecules um, is through instructions that are encoded in their DNA. What we can do is we can take the instructions from let's say a plant, let's say sandalwood, for instance, the instructions for making uh, a fragrance that that plant makes, and then putting it into the yeast. And then when we grow the yeast, it's going to produce that fragrance. And often um, it can produce it in a way that's far more efficient with land, with water, with agricultural input, Mm -hmm. um, and in many cases also produce a product that's much more pure than how you would extract it from a plant. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long does that process take? It depends on the ingredient for sure. So mm-hmm. Amaris is leading in this area in that we have invested a lot in this technology over the years. So we are getting faster and faster at it. I would say in the shortest case, we are able to create the yeast, develop the process for purification and scale up in a period of 18 months or less. In the cases where there are ingredients that are more challenging, um, perhaps types of chemistry that we haven't tackled before, then it can be several years. And it also depends on the price point that we're aiming for. In some cases, we're talking about something that's very low cost in the market. 
And so in order to make ours cost competitive or even better cost, we need to have a, a yeast that's incredibly efficient at making this molecule. Mm-hmm. And that can take quite some time. On the other hand, if we have things that are very high priced in the market, uh, we just have to be able to make it purify it, and, and we're typically already cost competitive. So a lot of different factors go into that timing. Okay. And my understanding is that um, as a company, you have these molecules that are available for purchase, but you also have a portfolio, a portfolio of your own consumer brands for personal care and beauty based on those molecules which has also led to the development of some of these brands for celebrities. Is that correct? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We have uh, a B2B, a robust B2B ingredients business, and then uh, we branched out to, to go directly to the consumer through our brands. And then to, to back up for a moment, um, now that you've laid out some of the science, I understand Amherst launched in 2003 with a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for the development of sustainable malaria treatment, which is just so interesting. Um, Can you tell us how the company made that leap to beauty fragrance in those other areas? Absolutely. So artemisinin is an ingredient that is uh, sourced from the wormwood plant. Mm -hmm. And it is a key anti-malarial drug. So Amherst was founded in order to provide uh, a more consistent supply of this drug. Um, At the time, the pricing on this drug was wildly variable. Um, It depended on how many farmers decided to make it that year or to grow it that year. It depended on whether it was a good crop or a bad crop. And this type of supply chain variability and pricing variability was making it very difficult for people to afford this drug or to, Mm -hmm. to rely on the drug. So, we determined that our technology could actually provide a much more stable source of this drug. And and that's exactly what we did. We were able to um, provide a reliable, stable um, price point, purity, quality, and um, and we, were, we partnered with Sanofi to produce um, a, a lot of doses of this drug. So from there, the question was, how do we take the same technology and apply it in other areas? We actually pivoted first to fuels. So the same technology that can be used to make uh, artemisinin or artemisinic acid, which was the, the intermediate that we went after, can actually be used to, to go after molecules that look a whole lot like the diesels and the jet fuels that are used today but are sourced from petrochemicals. So, so we went after those for some time. And then from there... Um, you know, we started to expand and think about other sectors. And we partnered with some great, great um, partners, really number one, number two in their sectors to figure out the right targets to go after. And and that landed us squarely in the um, flavor and fragrance space. So today we're some of the, we're one of the largest producers of many of the um, the fragrances and flavors that are really mm-hmm. fundamental to those industries. Mm-hmm. So just as um, artemisinin is a a rare molecule from a plant, so are many of the um, ingredients that are used in beauty, right? They're they're molecules from plants, they're molecules from animals. So the same technology that we can use for that is is perfectly suitable for making these molecules from beauty and personal care. And we really like this industry because there's such, um, such interest from the consumer in innovation. They are really embracing biotechnology mm-hmm. and innovation 
and um, they're eager to learn about the technology. They're eager to learn about how we can um, provide a sustainability solution. They're eager for efficacy, which can be delivered by these molecules, but um, people are becoming more and more aware that the existing sourcing of them is actually very damaging to the environment. So we think it's just a, a very suitable um, industry for many, many different reasons. Mm-hmm. So talking about some of the work um, you've done in the beauty space, beauty and fragrance, I was intrigued by your biosilica ingredient from sugarcane ashes, which is characterized as a replacement for microplastics. I assume um, that's microbeads uh, specifically. Will you be doing more in this area of microplastic bans as microplastic bans come into force in the EU and other jurisdictions? Well, the way I would put it is, you know, microplastics and those beads, they are they're what I would call functional ingredients in a formulation. Mm-hmm. They um, provide structure and they provide, um, like in the case of microbeads and scrubs and things like t- some sort of a scrub power, right? right? There are a lot of different functional ingredients, um, silicones, emulsifiers, uh, rheology and viscosity modifiers, those types of ingredients. They um, provide the structure of a formula and in many cases they're actually harmful for the environment, either through their sourcing, because they're sourced through petrochemistry, and in a smaller number of cases, through their end of life. For instance, mm-hmm. some silicones are um, have been under um, a lot of pressure because of data showing that they can, um, they can bioaccumulate in aquatic life. So we're very focused on understanding which are the most problematic ingredients in this area and coming up with alternatives that are safer for the environment, both in terms of sustainable sourcing and in terms of end of life. And is that one strategy? Is that how you choose which molecules you're going you're going to look to develop? Um, do you start with looking at the traditional actives that are perhaps the most damaging to the environment or sustainability, you know, that don't have good sustainability profiles? Is that where the company usually starts? Well, I would say that that is where the company has been. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of our ingredients that we've launched today are very, very well-known, well-loved in the industry, but sourced in a way that's not sustainable. And the advantage of going after these types of ingredients is there's an instant market, right? There's, There's just immediate traction. So we like that. On the other hand, biotechnology actually gives us access to ingredients that would not have been available any other way. Right. Right. So so that's a very exciting direction for us to go. Mm -hmm. And this is really about owning the technology. Right. Yes, we can use our technology to create one for one replacements for things that are harmful today. But there's also a tremendous innovation component where we can create new types of ingredients, create new blends with with more efficacy than has been seen in the past, because all of a sudden we're able to make very rare compounds from nature in a way that's completely scalable and doesn't harm the planet. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, you know, both are very important components of our strategy. And I've also heard about biotechnology uh, molecules that there are there are molecules that can be designed that actually have um, they have benefits to them that go beyond what traditional ingredients can even offer. So they kind of they have all these big pluses to them. Do, are you finding that as well? Absolutely. I mean, we, we have a few in our pipeline that I would say fall into that category, right? Mm-hmm. It's combining an ingredient that's well-loved 
a um, with another molecule that's that's well loved, right? And sort right. of putting them together into a single molecule and seeing really interesting impact on efficacy, on delivery into the skin, things like that. So so we definitely have um, some some very interesting innovations in those types of areas. Okay, I was curious what um, other product categories and perhaps geographies uh, Amaris may be targeting as it works to expand its consumer offering and reach? Definitely. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of um, traction, of course, in North America, but we've also been expanding very aggressively into certain regions. Um, for instance, Biosans is, is, um, has some great presence in Brazil. Uh, we're starting to build a lot of presence in Europe. Some of our other brands, like like Rose Inc., for instance, um, because uh, our celebrity partner there is is mm -hmm. is um, is British. There's a lot of traction for her her brand in the UK. So there's um, you know depending on the brand and depending on um, where we see a lot of play with um, with the with our talent that we work with, we'll pursue different regions. Let's say China is a, a, is a great frontier for us. We're just starting to to really go deep in um, in China and consider a route to market there, um, starting with Biosense. And, and early traction is, has been terrific. And then I also wanted to touch upon uh, the so-called commodity ingredients, uh, those that are produced in bulk, such as solvents, surfactants, and emollients. Uh, do you see Amaris and other biotechs producing alternatives to those um, types of in ingredients now or in the future? Absolutely. So, I mean, we can think of, of um, the ingredients that Amaris has already introduced as, as part of this series, right? Mm -hmm. Hemisqualine is uh, a silicone replacement, so it will be, fall into that same class, I would say. Um, squalane, it's, um, it's a wonderful ingredient in that it is very... Um, it's, it's a terrific emollient, and it's also a solvent, uh, depending on how you use it. Mm -hmm. uh, there are companies in the space that are going really hard after um, palm oil replacements, palm being a, a very important ingredient used in, in the industry right now, but where there's uh, very few alternatives for high-performing um you know, ingredients where you can have uh, confidence on the sustainability. So there's some companies going after one-for-one -one direct replacements, like exactly the same chemical structure. Mm -hmm. I'd say that Amaris is taking a little bit of a different approach in that we believe that we can actually do one better than a lot of the structures that are used today in this space. Um, again, through, through biotechnology, being able to access new chemistry, new chemical structures, uh, we believe we can make um, really high-performing, sustainable ingredients um, in exactly those categories that you were talking about. So our pipeline uh, for innovation, uh, we actually have uh, candidates in every single one of those categories. And are you able to provide a little snapshot or preview of any uh, molecules in beauty or fragrance that you're currently working on? Well, I think I probably gave, you know, what I just said was that we have ingredients in those categories, mm -hmm. right? So, so there's that. And then I would say the other side is those actives, right? Uh, you know, the way I think about it is the sustainability drivers are frequently the um, 
those functional ingredients, right? Those those commodity ingredients, because they make up such a high percentage of the of the formulation. Right. Um, sustainability drivers can also be some of these more rare actives if they're sourced in a way that's not sustainable. But but even more than that, the actives can be purchased decision drivers because that's where efficacy comes in, mm-hmm. um, and that's where ingredient storytelling and connection to the consumer comes in. So we have, a, a, I'd say, a, a robust pipeline in each of those categories. And I know, Annie, there's been a lot of, um, as we've been writing about biotechnology, um, it seems like there's a lot of concern from some in the beauty industry that the, uh, of the value, that they're, they're concerned that the these types of ingredients are just too expensive for, you know, a a smaller company or a mass market type brand. How do you see the the um, expense of these ingredients? And do you think that these these sorts of actives um, are within reach of smaller companies and and say mass market brands? That's a great question. It that really gets to the heart of how we approach ingredients at Amaris. At Amaris, we have this fundamental philosophy around ingredient selection and we call it no compromise Mm -hmm. we go after ingredients where we can come in with the best sustainability the best performance and cost parity and that does mean that we're limiting ourselves in many cases to um to ingredients where our technology can deliver that but it also means that these ingredients will be accessible as accessible if not more than what's already in market um, it's also an important driver for us for adoption. Um, we believe that sustainability is around scale, right? Making an ingredient sustainable doesn't really move the needle if you're just selling it to niche markets. And we really need to be in mass in those large mm-hmm. markets in order to drive the sustainability um, impact. So that's why it's really important for us to set as our sort of fundamental criteria those three um, those three uh, requirements. So we have a brand called Pipette, mm-hmm. and it is available at Walmart, at Target. Um, it, it is it is right there with the other mass brands, and it features our ingredient squalane very heavily, as well as an ingredient that we produce called Pisavalol. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe some of them, um, we're actually just launching a new brand for, for Walmart that uses many of these ingredients as well. That's great. So it is not the exclusive domain of these um, prestige brands at all. Mm-hmm. Like we, This is so important to us as a company that this be accessible. So we're really excited that we're there today with many ingredients mm-hmm. and we plan, you know, we have got a great pipeline to ensure that we, we can we can do more there. Finally, uh, my last question, uh, do you see the entire beauty industry eventually moving to biotech-based materials? Um, And what do you think will drive that shift, and how soon could that sort of revolution take place? The way I would think about it is there are certain ingredients that are very challenging in terms of sustainability um, or harm to the environment at their end of life. And that's where I think biotechnology can make a big difference Mm -hmm. and the best place for us to aim the technology. So we're really focused in that area. There are definitely ingredients today that are sustainable, that are high performing, that are scalable. 
And, you know, we don't need to provide a solution there because it already exists, right? Mm -hmm. we, we really want to focus on those areas where there's not a great solution. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, yes, I do think that a lot of the industry will move towards biotechnology. Um, I don't think it's necessary for every ingredient in this industry to be produced through biotechnology, but we can be very selective about uh, where we apply it in order to have the greatest impact. Terrific. Well, it sounds like you're uh, really working on some incredibly interesting uh, stuff here. So we, we will look forward to continue tracking it. Um, but that is all the questions I have, Annie. So uh, thank you so much for your insight on biotech and the fascinating work your company is involved in. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Eileen. It was a pleasure.